Don't Call Me Girl Boss is a podcast dedicated to sharing the journey, struggles, and successes women small business owners go through. I host Jessica Buck, a small business owner myself, interviews women who haven't made a million dollars yet. I interview women at any stage of owning a business and focus on the struggles so listeners can really relate to the guest. I hope in listening to this podcast, you find your go-to source to get the real scoop of what it is like to be a woman small business owner. Hey guys, thank you for tuning into another episode of Don't Call Me Girl Boss. This week, I have on Bree Newton. She is someone I have been so excited to interview because she has been through a lot and it has a lot to do with COVID-19. She actually owned two yoga studios in Orange County, California, and she had to close both of those down due to the pandemic. And what is so great about her story is she didn't, she was obviously sad, but she moved forward. She found another way, another business that she could be passionate about. And she started her own candle making business. And she went from ordering 20 candles to now ordering 5,000 candles and being in boutiques all over the U.S. I really respect Brie because of her perseverance to keep going and keep fighting and really share her story and specifics of what it was like to have to close down basically two children, which is what it's like to own a small business. It's like you have children, and when you have to let go of that, it is like mourning a child. And she goes over that and what that is like. And I just want to thank Bree for having the courage to come on and share her story and be vulnerable and real with us and what it is really like to potentially fail and then rebuild yourself. So without further ado, here is Brie. So my mom is a hairstylist and she has been a hairstylist ever since I want to say before I was born or when I was a baby. And so I grew up, my mom was a single mom. And when she couldn't find sitting, I would go to the salon with her. So all of my mom's clients actually know me really, really, (laughs) really well. Um, And my dad is a high level executive and he's been an executive in jobs all the time. So I use my dad when I need to make like boss decisions that I haven't made before I always call him I'm like am I gonna get sued if I say it like this or should I say it like this instead <laughs> that is nice <laughs> to have someone you can call like that yeah there's a lot of yeah. instances where you don't think about where you need some legal advice you know very fast yeah because we're the I'm like you're the HR department and I'm the HR department and I didn't go to school for HR so mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes I need to ask HR questions that I don't know the answer to. So he has, has been a really big help with just the legality and the um, professionalism and like the right thing to say and not not saying like saying something hard without saying it mean. He's, mm-hmm. he's been a giant help with that. That's great. I'm glad that you have him. How was it with your mom? And that's like being a hairstylist is no joke. I always tell people it's like being a business owner. And you don't really realize that until you're really in it. Yeah, it really is. My So my mom grew her business by saying, send two of your friends to me and I'll give you a free haircut. And 
that's literally how she grew her business. So all of her clientele, I mean, I don't know how much that works anymore because she's been doing it for over 20 years, but none of her clientele has left her. So you are in the, the beauty industry. And I don't know if this affected you when you moved to that downtown Brea suite, but my mom has switched. She moved three times in a year and she lost zero clients. So it just goes to show that she said, typically every time you move a station, you lose 30% of your clients because people don't want to drive and people like going to the same place. And so it'll find somebody at the same salon. And she moved three times in one year and she lost zero clientele. So it's impressive. I know that's a thing. I luckily haven't either, but I never moved far. So, and spray tanners are harder to find than hairdressers. Yes. So that's probably why. (laughs) Yeah. So she doesn't feel like a business owner because she doesn't have employees and she is a sole prop. Mm -hmm. Um, But because she has built her clientele, she's kept her clientele. She really understands business in that sense. Yeah, that's great. Because that's like the biggest name in the game is finding your clientele and how you're going to do it. And 20 years ago, uh, you can't just post on Instagram and yeah. <laughs> hit someone that has some following and be like, hey, here's a free, like what I did to you. I was like, how I met you I was like, hey, come in for a free spray tan, you know, because I knew you had a following on social media. Like that's like yes. my strategy. So yes, exactly. 20 years ago it was way more of a hustle. I feel like it's yes. still a hustle. It's just different. It's a different hustle. It's a thumb hustle versus an actual sweating hustle. Yes, especially when she <laughs> had you. So like a single mom, I can't even imagine what that was like. Yeah, yeah. I grew up very fast. I bet. Did you think being around your mom and seeing her hustle and even your father's, did that impression you at a young age? I just, I don't think, I think, yes, it had an impression on me because my mom is such a hard worker and she just suits up and shuts up and and um if she's not feeling like now we can't not feel well and go somewhere but if she wasn't feeling well she would just be quiet about it and if she felt like she needed to go blow her nose or she was sick she would go to the bathroom but she never made it show that she was like if she was sleepy or anything like that or if she was having problems at home with me she never showed anybody any of the emotions that was going on with her because she's in the service business. And so mm-hmm. it was all about her customers. So I think she really showed me how to suit up and shut up even when I am uncomfortable or I don't feel well or I'm sleepy. But I just texted her because somebody tagged me in an elementary school, fifth grade photo on Facebook. And I sent it to her and I said, why did you allow me to be this ugly? <laughs> and she responded and said, you always had your own way. I would t- I would try to change your outfit. I would try to have you do your hair and you would say, it doesn't matter what I look like. It matters if people like me for me. So Aww. that was, I would say that as a fifth grader. So I don't think anybody had any control over me as a yeah. child. <laughs> Sound very independent and strong-willed. Yes. yes. Um, what was like your first paying job kind of skipping forward a little bit, but what were you doing in high school? Like what was your first job? Yeah, my first job, uh, I was 15 years old and my mom's friend who is now probably a closer friend to me, even though she's my mom's age, she hired me to work at her boutique. So I sold boutique clothes, uh, for a few months with her 
And then as soon as she opened her shot and she paid me under the table, $9, I was so stoked to receive $9. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But I worked with her on weekends and then after school. But as soon as she opened her shop, like as soon as she got the keys and was setting up and, and had her grand opening, her dad got cancer. Oh, wow. So it very quickly went from, wow, I'm working for my friend to, oh, wow, okay, I'm here to open. I'm here to close. She's at the hospital again. So I really learned how to run a business. So I always say I managed the the boutique because it was just me and her and it was me. Now, the business didn't last very long because it was a 15-year-old running it, but we <laughs> we went to the Orange County Marketplace. I don't know if you've heard of it, the swap meet in Costa Mesa. Yeah, I've been there. And we were there for years. So we we literally took her her store and we made it an outdoor booth. And that's where I really learned hustle and and how to hustle. And when you fail, because essentially her brick and mortar um, boutique failed, we just she was like, okay, we're locking the doors. We can't pay rent. We're picking up. We're going somewhere else. It's only $50 a a day and we're just going to kill it. And that's that's where I really learned. Okay, it's it's time to move on. That's and I, I think that's why the studio was so we're going to get to that later. But I think that's why the studio was kind of easier for me to process because I already gone through that with something that I did carry on my shoulders because I did carry her boutique on my shoulders because I was there so often. That's a huge responsibility at 15. At 15, I like had my finger in my nose and yeah. was like... <laughs> I played soccer. That's literally it. <laughs> yeah, I did not have any sports. I was very into uh, fashion. So I loved it. And I loved making my money. And I loved being able to have money. And my mom, we we lived 45 minutes from home. And so my mom would work late. So there was nothing for me to do. So I would mm-hmm. just, I would, I would get dropped off from school to the boutique. And then I would work there until my mom picked me up when she was off. So wow. that's what I did. Yeah, that's impressive. And you Seems like you brought some of that into your candle business if you are used to the booths and that kind of setup as well. It seems like it was a great experience. Yeah, I it really brought me it really brought me right back being outdoors again, brought me right back to okay, we're here, we get here, we're the first people here, we're the last people to leave, we're smiling the entire time. I knew how to set up an easy up, I knew how to pack the cart. And it's still product, so yeah, it did I I'm lucky that I had that experience when I was young because it's not foreign here. Yeah. Did you go to college or what was your plan out of high school? I went to uh, Fullerton Junior College for a few years. I really wanted to be an environmental biologist. So I am a, I used to be a total hippie, free child, free spirit, um, with like long, my hair's still long, but like long hippie hair. And I wanted to save the ocean and save the trees. So I went to school to be an environmental biologist. Um, That's my sister. That's what she's going for. You're like describing my sister right now. That's so (laughs) awesome. Every time I hike, I'm like, this leaf does this and see how this leaf is poked, pokey and see how this one's close to the ground and light colored. Like I'm, I'm that's my sister. She's yeah. like telling me all this crap. And I'm, and what the funny part is, is my dad builds off road cars for a living. So that's it's like the so polar opposite. <laughs> it's like my dad's ruining the plants and driving over them. And my mom and my sister's trying to save them. That's so <laughs> funny. That's so funny. Yeah. I loved it. And I was really close to being done, but I didn't pass calculus. 
And I got a, so funny story. I got an F in my calculus class. I only had to take one. And then I took it a second time and I got a D and I was like, sweet, I'll take it a third time and I'll get a C and I'll pass. But that's not how it works in the community (laughs) college. You can either drop it and fail it or fail it and drop it, but you can't drop, drop and you can't fail, fail. So they said, sorry, you have to change your major. Oh, wow. And I changed, I lasted one semester after I changed it and I ended up dropping, but I'm an entrepreneur. So, and I'm, I'm a salesperson. So I always, always knew I was going to know how to make money because I've always just made money. So it didn't stress me out to drop. Yeah. Well, college isn't like any guarantee. And it's interesting because my sister, she's almost done with school and she's actually going through the process of like of applying for jobs. And she kind of wants to get into her field now. And she's having a really hard time finding a job. I mean, the economy and all that, of course, is a factor, but you know, it's not a shoe in. You can't get a degree and be like, hey, I make a hundred thousand. Like that's just not how it works. And I've told her that, but you know, she's getting that rude awakening of it's not always the easy way. Yeah. My girlfriend went to PA school and she spent all this money to go to PA school and she couldn't find, she wanted a very specific pay, like as her first job. Mm -hmm. And it took her a little over a year to find that job. Luckily she found the job. She's so happy and she's been working there for over a year now, but, um, she, it was hard for her to find a job because she wanted that hundred thousand dollars. That's my sister. And she's the type that'll wait until she gets that. Like she will not settle. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to follow her journey because me and my dad have always been like, Jackie, you know, you got to humble yeah. yourself a little bit. But she's just like, no, like I did the work, I get the pay. So it's mm-hmm. going to be interesting to see that play out. Yeah. Well, she's la- well, she's laughing at my business because so when I started spray tanning, she's like, well, you're doing what? That's so stupid. <laughs> so it's like interesting. <laughs> What is something that you would tell your younger self, like looking back? I would, I would definitely tell my younger self that you haven't stopped hustling yet. You haven't stopped go, go, go. So don't be so hard on yourself when you do rest because as my younger self, if I would take a Sunday and just veg on the couch the rest of the week, like at least Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'd be like, I have to work harder because I feel like a giant POS for sitting on the couch all day on Sunday. Mm -hmm. So I would push myself extra hard as like guilt tripping myself, but knowing that I'm still, I haven't lost the hustle vibe. I haven't lost the go, go, go. You might as well let yourself rest, which I do allow myself rest now. And that's what keeps me from dying. (laughs) Yeah, I struggle with that. Actually, that's an interesting point. Because yesterday, I, I try not to take naps to just try and go, go, go. I don't want to lose my momentum. Mm-hmm. And yesterday, I was like, listen to my body. And I just like laid in bed for like an hour, like midday. And I think I needed it. I think I would have got sick, like a cold. And mm-hmm. that's what stopped it. It was like, if you listen to your body, you know, you're going to actually do better because then you're not, you know, have downtime because you're sick. Yeah, yeah. I, um, um, when we owned the studios, and it was it was, it was a really crazy time. And I watched five seasons of the office in one day and I ate Chinese food and I sat on the couch and I called my dad the next day. I was like, guess what I did yesterday? He's like, okay, you've, you've done that like once every year and a half. So it's okay that you did that because a lot of people, that's what their Sundays look like. Mm -hmm. You didn't, 
you didn't take two steps back by giving yourself rest. You know, it's weird that we do that to ourselves where it's like, I got to keep going. I got to keep moving. I got to keep progressing or I'm going to stop. Yeah. Yeah. What? So you got out of college, you, that didn't work out. And then what was the step after that? So I was working a sales job. I was selling technology. I, I was working at a security system uh, plant and I was selling to big companies like eBay, Amazon, Costco, Fry's. I was selling them our products so that they can sell them to their consumers and I found out I was making the least amount of money in the office as a salesperson. Because you were a woman? Um, no. Okay. Because, <laughs> worse, because I was 20, not, uh... not 40. So I was the youngest person and I didn't have my bachelor's degree. So mm. I found out I was making the least, but I knew that I was making the most. I was making them the most. So I had nine out of 12 of my accounts were all in the green and like over 120% over last year. And I was making like multiple thousand dollar sales just by having phone calls with people. And I know my, just like your sister, just like Jackie knows her worth. I know my worth. So I went and talked to the owner and I said, I want to raise. And he said, well, I can't give you higher than this because then that would mean that you're not the least paid person anymore. And you're the youngest person in the office. So you can't make, you can't make more than this because you're the youngest. Is and that I discrimination? Quit. <laughs> and it's so, so age discrimination, but I quit right then and there. And I called my husband. I put my two, I was like, I'm sorry, but I'm going to put my two weeks in. And I gave him way more than two weeks because they needed my help. But I called my husband, which was my boyfriend, and I was yelling at him about how, because I had just switched my major right before that to business. And I was like, it's, I hate the fact that fat white old men sit in their pl plush chair and they are the ones to decide like what classes we take in order to be good at a certain career because I had just failed all my classes. And then now I'm finding out like, I'm really good at sales. I'm like the best person on the team yet. I'm not being compensated for it. So both sides of this frustration hit and I signed up for yoga teacher training. <laughs> so I wow. dropped school. I put my two weeks in and I signed up for teacher training all in like the same day. Why yoga? What, what draw, what drew you to that? I was not good at it. So I'm a super competitive person and I found it and I was just doing a few poses and I was not even hard poses, like putting my hands in prayer at heart center in the middle, middle of my chest. I couldn't get my forearms parallel to my, my belly area. And I couldn't figure out why, because I, I've, I'm really strong and I've, I have a history of working out um, strengthening my muscles, but I never stretched them. So I was just muscular and tight. So I was really strong, but I couldn't do anything. And I couldn't touch my, I couldn't even touch my knees. If I was sitting on the ground with my legs straight with my fingers, I was so tight. So it turned into a competitive sport. Um, but I had some really awful experiences at yoga studios. So I wanted to become a yoga teacher to change that so that I could be the good example for somebody who was 
like me going to a yoga class. And then that trickled into everything else. When I was teaching yoga, I was getting treated terribly. So I wanted to start a yoga studio so that I could teach, treat teachers the way that they were supposed to be treated. And, um, in terms of like not getting a paycheck and having, having to wait like two months until you got a paycheck and, uh, certain things like that. So I wanted to have all W2 employees so that they would get paid on Thursday at midnight, just treating, treating my employees like they're actually employees. Mm -hmm. And then that trickled into seeing teachers come to interview and me being like, you were trained at a, to a disadvantage. You're not a good yoga teacher. And so that's why we started yoga teacher training to be able to now teach teachers how to be the best possible teacher that they could be. Yeah. What was, so how did happy flow start? So you owned happy flow yoga. It was two studios in placentia and Fullerton for the listeners to know. How did that come about? Yeah, I, I was a traveling yoga teacher. So I was teaching privates all over the place. I was going to Pasadena, which for not local visitors, that's like an hour and 15 minute drive out of the way. I didn't understand geography when I said yes to that client, but it was an hour and 15 minutes one way, an hour and 15 minutes the other way. And I was traveling all over the place. And so I just wanted to bring all of my privates into one small space. And I was looking for a small space. And I actually, the way I met our broker, which is now a really good friend of ours, I said, I'm looking for this. This was like the 30th call, which this is where I have been treated uh, poorly because I'm a bubbly female, young personality. Every time I called, uh, we don't have what you're looking for. It's probably going to be too expensive for you. You probably can't afford this property. You're not going to want this. We don't have what you're looking for. Just like left and right, hanging up on me or not answering or not calling me back. So the way that I met my broker was I was so pissed off. I called and said, I'm looking for this. It needs to be small. It needs to be this person. I was so rude. And he was like, a yoga studio? No, I'm not letting you go there. And it was actually right in between a liquor store and a hookah shop. So good, <laughs> good thing he sent me somewhere else. And he said, it's bigger than what you want. It's more expensive than what you want. It's prettier than what you want, but please go look at it. And the whole drive there, I was like, salesman, he's trying to get me. I'm so frustrated. I can't believe I'm driving here. And as soon as I drove up, I was like, oh, shoot, I have to open up a yoga studio. Mm -hmm. So the plan wasn't even to open a yoga studio. The plan was just to get a closet that I could fit two yoga mats in and have privacy because I lived in such a small house I wanted somewhere else where just me and my private client could go. The plan was not to open up a yoga studio, but when I saw the space, which is the placenta space, I immediately was like, this, this needs to be a studio. Mm -hmm. So that's, and I called Charles, which was my boyfriend at the time. And I said, I think I'm going to open up a yoga studio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and he was like, okay, how, where are you going to get the money? So he let me sit on it for a week. And he eventually said, I, I believe in you. I, I trust in your business abilities. And so he ended up being the monetary portion 
of Happy Flow Yoga. And I was the brand, the face, the ideas, the heart behind it. So that's so how when, Happy Flow. How did you decide how much money you needed? Because a lot of people are thinking, okay, I want to start a yoga studio. I want to start this business. What's a figure in your head where you needed that much capital to do that? I, okay, so this is how we did it. We sat down and we pulled out an Excel sheet. How much is rent? How much are cams? How much is electricity going to be? Like basics, basic budgeting that you do for your own household. Okay, how much are props going to be? Which is like the the yoga mat. Okay, how many are we going to need? Are we going to supply water? Are we going to supply paper towels? How much paper, how many paper towels do you think we're going to go through a month? what about this? What about that? What about this? And then we came up with, okay, this is how much it's going to cost us per month. And we wanted to be at least six months ahead in the money that we had in order to get it going. Okay. That makes sense. And so you get the studio, you're, you've got the money and then what? You were just start throwing everything together and getting a plan and start branding. What was the game plan? Yeah. The, the first thing I did was I created, created a Facebook page. I created a Google page. I created a Yelp page. As soon as we had, as soon as we had the lease signed, I had all of that created and I didn't have anybody following yet. I just started posting things like just me doing yoga and yoga quotes just to get content on there and a little bit of organic action from people who weren't my friends And then as we started to get closer and closer and closer, I would start to tag the studio and say, hey, we're opening up a studio. And then I also did the other things like I we ran ads on Yelp, which everybody says don't do it, but it really helped our brand. We ran ads. I had terrible success with Yelp and I know so many people who have had terrible success. So I'm glad to hear one success story. We had great. We had great success. We were always number one on okay on the results so we had great success with Yelp but honestly the thing that made us so successful was I started to tell yoga peers that I was opening up a studio in Placentia and everybody would say why that's a yoga dead area why are you opening up there like good luck and people why is it a yoga dead area because there's no yoga studios there's I mean now there are but there aren't really that many yoga studios around that area versus when you go into South County area. Yeah. There's way more yoga studios. It's way more saturated. There weren't that many where we were at, which is good for us. But other yoga teachers were like, why are you going there? There's no yoga. There's no yoga there. But because of that, people flocked to us because they'd been waiting for somebody to open a yoga studio there. And we did all the marketing that we were supposed to do when we opened up a business. But it was really as soon as we slapped that sign on the on the wall and put a big we put a big window sign that said coming soon. People would message us on Facebook and message us on Instagram and send us emails like, when are you opening? When are you opening? When are you opening? And then as soon as we opened. I don't think we had any classes, like maybe our 5.30 a.m. classes. We didn't have any classes where nobody came up. Nobody came. We always that's had amazing. people in our classes, which in the yoga industry, that's amazing. And were you the only teacher in the beginning? No, I, we had 22 classes when we first opened and 
I taught 12 of them. And then we had, I think, I think we opened with nine teachers and then we brought more classes on. I started teaching less classes and then, um, we started hiring more people. The most people that we ever had on staff was 36 people. And we had 80 classes a week at our, at our most. We had like 83 How classes. did you manage 36 employees? That sounds like a headache and it, a half. It was, it was extreme. <laughs> it was very extreme. People are hard. That's the hardest part about business is people because everybody has a different personality Everybody has a different love language. Everybody has a different communication style and everybody gets offended or excited for different reasons. And so it was very challenging for me because I'm an emotional being. And so I would get my feelings hurt, and which is why I had those conversations with my dad. Like, I want to say this. And he'd say, no, don't say that. <laughs> say, yeah. say this instead. But the people, well, and yoga the teachers, I consider like free spirits, like coming in late. Like I, that's just the image I have in my mind. So was it a different kind of employee as well? Or is that totally not a thing? It was very much a freestyle, like more than once I got the excuse. I'm running 10 minutes late because the universe decided to turn all the lights red. and somebody quit because she pulled a card you know the the oracle cards and tarot cards she pulled Uh an oracle card that said that she's not in the right space so she quit (laughs) um so it's a different breed of people it's a totally different breed of people and I'm not that person I'm a business competitive sports person who fell in love with yoga and so I love it but I'm not I wasn't I don't think anybody, I don't think any of our employees considered me a yogi, which is a different breed of people. Mm -hmm. My best friend and my sister are yogis. So I'm very familiar with that space and how it is. And, you know, she's my, one of my really good friends, but we, like you said, completely different people, (laughs) Like, like night and day. And in the business, in the business space, it's so funny because people are like, oh, you're so chill. You're so cool. Your vibes are so, you're so great. Like you're definitely a yogi, but in the yogi community, people are like, you're not a yogi. (laughs) You're like, crap. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I'm Paul. (laughs) Yeah. How did you come up with the name Happy Flow? I thought that was so cute, so clever. And it it honestly made me happy when I drove past it. You were like right next to me in Fullerton. Uh I like lived right there. Um, we, so I'm happy girl. So my Instagram is happy girl Brie. And before, while I was going through teacher training, because I had quit my job, I kind of needed to do something. And I had already been using the term happy girl, happy girl, happy girl. And I actually wrote a yoga book, came out with a clothing brand and created a website for a mindset tribe. And it wasn't a half-assed effort, but it didn't really go anywhere or do anything. And I think it's because it was kind of all over the place, but I didn't want to take that energy and that branding into the new business, even though me as the yoga teacher, I was happy girl Brie and I was, I was happy girl. So we found, I like flow is what you do when you do yoga. So I wanted the word, I knew I wanted the word happy. My favorite color is yellow and happy and yellow go together. So it just kind of flowed. 
and we created our logo. One of my, one of Charles is my husband's friends. We bought him a six pack of beer and we ordered pizza (laughs) and he designed the logo while we sat there and just like ate pizza and drank beer. And that's how the logo was created. (laughs) That's the best stories. And those make the best logos. Yeah, it was great. It was perfect. Like there, we were laughing. We were like, no, not like that. It was very (laughs) (laughs) stress-free. Um, so you have this location, you have the employees, everything's picking up and it seemed like it was just kind of like an easy business to run. And then you knew you needed a second location. Like, what was that like? Oh, we, it was having one location was easy compared to having two locations, but it seemed, it seemed really rough looking back. Like I, I remember I can look back thinking, oh my gosh, your life was so easy peasy, even though it felt like my life was ending and I was so tired and I was so stressed and my hair was falling out. But we knew we needed a second location when classes that weren't supposed to be full were waitlisted and 32 people came to a 9 p.m. class that's not typically supposed to be popular. So we knew all of our classes are getting capped out. All of people are actually showing up to all these classes there they were doing yoga on the concrete not even on the cork floor like I joked with somebody if you show up late you have to do yoga outside and she was like okay so (laughs) that's when we knew we needed to expand into a different a not a bigger place but a second place that wasn't super far away so that if this studio did book up locations when people were coming no matter what and we wanted to make sure that we could fulfill those spaces because we wouldn't I would not turn away anybody who wanted to come and do yoga and try to better themselves and try to calm themselves down from their work day so instead of having 32 people in a space that really could only fit 18 people we opened it up so that people but we didn't want it super far because we wanted people to be able to drive and get to it if they did come to a full class Yeah. And then were you guys profitable right away? What did that look like? So we, this is actually going to be really surprising to hear. We had profitable months, but every time we became profitable or we had extra money where Charles and I could put it into our own. So Charles and I never paid ourselves ever in two and a half years. I never took home a paycheck. He never took home a paycheck. Because every time we got close to becoming profitable, we would put it into the business. We would give an employee a raise. We would hire on somebody else. We would add another class. We would, we were, we were finally getting to the point where we were like profitable month after month after month. And we almost bought a pair of yoga studios, um, in January. So good freaking thing. We didn't do that in January. You were going to open up another studio? Two. Oh wow where at um I guess we can talk about it now because they unfortunately have completely closed but the yoga mat in oh okay yeah I know orange, that is. yeah yeah they had one studio in orange and one studio in Anaheim and they were really looking to sell just to be able to because they both had kids they were both uh in the PTA both their husbands were like you've put way too much effort and time into this it's time to move into the next phase of life and we really matched their vibe. So we were in talks of taking over their space and going from two to four. Wow. 
Could you imagine if you would have took that on? That oh my gosh. It was like every they they decided last minute, not last minute, but they decided in the process that they weren't ready to let go of it yet. And there were a few pieces of happy flow that didn't mesh with their vibe. So they decided they were just going to keep it and they're probably kicking themselves in the butt for that one. Yeah. I mean, well, can you imagine if we did like every single thing happens for a reason, every single door that closes is so that other doors can open and, and some doors have to wait to be opened until other doors close. So it was kind of like, we were so bummed because I wanted, we opened happy flow with like, we're going to have a hundred locations. No, I remember talking to you and I was like, what was your goal? She was like, I'm going to keep opening locations. That's my goal. I remember <laughs> talking to you and I was like, oh shit, this girl's serious. <laughs> yeah. I want it. I want to be a household name like that. Not me, not Brie, but my brands because the brands that I I feel like they have, I feel like everybody would say this, but I feel like they have so much heart and power behind them. Like I'm not selling cigarettes and I'm not selling McDonald's, but I want people to know and understand the brand like it's McDonald's. Mm -hmm. So that's why I was like, no, I'm opening a hundred yoga studios. (laughs) (laughs) So you get the second location and what was that opening like? Oh, it was great. It was, it was amazing. I mean, we, I can remember like maybe again, our 5.30 AM classes were classes that didn't have people in them, but a month in we had like 16 people in our Saturday classes, which is crazy for a yoga studio, but people were really, really, really attracted to the vibe that we, that we brought in, which was mm-hmm you don't have to be good at yoga. You just have to move your body. And I, just I remember want you doing a yoga class with uh, happy flow. And I remember feeling that vibe and I'd been to actually I think I'd been to the yoga mat and I did not get that vibe. I was very intimidated at the yoga mat, to be honest. It was a very, so our begin, our customer base was beginners and mm-hmm. people who were afraid to go to yoga studio or intimidated to go to yoga studio, because that's how I felt when I walked into a yoga studio and I never wanted anybody to feel the way that I felt. So we kind of didn't have advanced students because our classes weren't advanced for them. Like our, our most advanced advanced class was more of like an intermediate, you're coming here for a workout sweating, but nobody ever would like pop into a handstand, which is what typically happens at yoga studios. People just like hop, hop into a handstand. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll just be here (laughs) dying in like child pose. (laughs) Yeah. I went to a yoga studio or a yoga studio in Beverly Hills. That was just, this class was just for yoga teachers. And we were in, I don't even know what pose we were in, but the teacher said, and if you want to hop into a handstand here, you can. And I let out an audible, like, (laughs) okay, like, like that's not going to happen. And I looked up and everybody was in a handstand except for me. You're like, great. (laughs) I was like, Oh, I'm not, (laughs) I'm that person, but that's how typical yoga studios and yoga teachers are. And that's how, that's the vibe that we did not want to carry. And so I think that's why people were so attracted to it because it was a no stress, just a happy carefree zone. What were some of the struggles of owning the studio and then adding two studios to it? The struggle definitely was 
me. Okay, so I'm going to say me, which <laughs> I feel like that's such a cop-out thing to say. But everything starts with leadership. And I am extremely good at creating a strong customer loyalty. Like, customers are loyal to me. And I have great customer service. And I'm really good at building a brand and building a customer base. I am not, I don't have the team and the leadership part down yet. And I've been in leadership positions before owning my own business. And that was the one thing that my manager would tell me all the time. Like you, you just need to tweak a few more things because sometimes you say things a little bit harshly. Sometimes you say things a little bit frank. And I think I hurt a lot of feelings and I definitely didn't have a loyal um, base of a team. Like it kind of felt like people were friends, but they, we had no die hard employees. We had no die hard teachers. Mm-hmm. They were kind of just there to pick up their paycheck. And I feel like that, that was the hardest part trying to create that. Well, and- I appreciate you admitting that that takes a lot just to admit that a lot of people wouldn't. So you know, that means a lot. There's no way to grow. There's no way to grow unless you figure out like, okay, where are my opportunities for growth? And where can I improve? And where, where did I go wrong? Because we did. So something that people also say, you shouldn't say is that we did fail, right? Because we closed, my goal was to own 100 yoga studios, at least, and we closed at two. And yeah, COVID helped. But you always look back and say, okay, what did I do right? What did I do wrong? What can I improve on for next time? And definitely something, an area of opportunity for growth for me, something that I can improve on next time is really honing in on those, those leadership skills and really figuring out how to make a team that works. Mm -hmm. That doesn't just, because you're nothing without your team, you know, like, And that's a hard lesson. I was in uh, management before I got into my business. And that was a struggle for me too, is how I said things and hurting people's feelings. And I got the too young. I was like 21 and dealing with 40 year olds. So like that was wrong in itself, but it is a hard thing to learn. And it is hard to deal with people and teach them and have them want to work for you and treat them like it's their business, but your business, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That, that was our, that was a really big struggle for us. I was a, I was a manager at Bath and Body Works for three years prior to owning my own business. And so I got a lot of my, a lot of my knowledge from them, but yeah, I was definitely 20 to 22 and (laughs) was managing 45 year olds. So oh, yeah, I was such an asshole looking back. I was like, how did these 40 year olds deal with me? I would yeah. slap me in the face. <laughs> yeah. Thinking, you know, everything. <laughs> oh, I knew everything. I was smarter. They all sucked. I'm like, I would have hit, I would hit me. There's no way. <laughs> like I should probably message them on like Facebook and be like, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, okay. You said you didn't take a paycheck. How is that? Like, how do you survive? Like I couldn't own a business. I like wouldn't be able to have a business if that was the case. Like we're, How so do you we, do that? We are lucky enough that my husband has a uh, what somebody would consider a high paying job. So mm-hmm. I don't have to work if I don't want to because of the money that he makes. We okay. want financial freedom. So we don't want to. Li- he has coworkers where their wives don't. They're stay at home moms and they're just fine. 
They're, they are driving the cars they want to drive. They're living in the house that they want to live. We want complete financial freedom with his work and with my work. So that's how, that's how I can take a paycheck, but that's why we also work really, really, really hard to expand because we don't want to be rich and successful. We want to be wealthy, financially free and like free in our planners to do whatever we want to do on a Wednesday. And what is that dynamic like? Is it hard to sacrifice and for him to sacrifice? Or do you guys have a balance and know like, hey, I'm going to, this is going to end up paying off. Like, how does he deal with that? And then how do you deal with like having to maybe ask for money? Like, what is that dynamic like? So he controls, uh, he, so with Happy Flow, he controlled all of the bank, all of the payroll. So I knew what was coming in and he knew what was coming out. So it was a really stressful dynamic when we owned the yoga studio together and we have vowed we're never going to own another business together ever again because our marriage is more important, but Mm -hmm. he dealt with everything. So I never had to ask for money. He would inject money if, if needed, or he'd be like, oh, we need to, we can't buy this because we're going to buy this instead. Um, So he, he dealt with all of that. So I really kind of do live in a fairy tale. I did kind of live in a fairy tale because I didn't have to do, I mean, I fired everybody, but other than that, I didn't have to do anything hard, like things that people don't want to do, like the books. And then was it, so you said it was hard on your relationship. Is it, what was that like? Um, it's really hard. I mean, I feel like we're superheroes, Charles and I, because we owned we owned two yoga studios together and lived... that's huge I don't I would kill my boyfriend for sure yeah I I mean there I mean there were definite times where I would have to say you're not allowed <laughs> in the studio until you're in a better mood because you're not gonna I can change my face before I walk in you don't know how to change your face before you walk in and so I would like banish him from the business if if we got into a fight but it was, we had to, so every Tuesday is date night, no exceptions. Every single Tuesday we would go on date night. We would not talk about business. We would only talk about our friends, our relationships, nothing about the studio. And we weren't allowed to take our phones with us. We also had 9 PM. We broke it often and we ended up moving. We would move it and be like, okay, at 10 PM, but we would have turnoff time. So no more work at 9 or 10 p.m., no exceptions. And if you feel like you need to have a conversation about work or about business or about what you're going to do tomorrow, then you have to leave the room and write an email so that it didn't affect because everybody needs a turnoff time. And if you don't have those boundaries, I don't talk about business at the same time as my husband wants to talk about business and it can really affect the relationship. And so sometimes he would say, I just want my wife right now. And I would say, I just want my husband right now. So we really had to create those boundaries of this is husband and wife time, whether we're at dinner, whether we're on a date, whether we're driving or we're just sitting on the couch. And then the rest of the time it's free game to talk about business, to argue about business. We also both are very hard headed and I love being the boss. I love being right. And so we've fought and we still fight about everything, but we also go to marriage counseling once a month and 
anybody married or thinking about getting married or going into business with their spouse or even just trying to be a power couple, I highly suggest going into marriage counseling because you have a coach when you go work out, you have a coach when you go do yoga, you have a coach when you want your nutrition or you want to build your business, but people kind of look down on having a coach for your marriage. And that's literally why we haven't stabbed each other in the throat yet is because <laughs> of our marriage counselor. So, wow, that is a really good point. And you guys are taking that really serious. Like this is, you know, our relationship is just as serious as our business and people don't always do that. Yeah. Yeah. Or more. Because- yeah. And then, so COVID hits, how does that affect you? We, I, so I remember in like the first week of February, my dad was talking about, my dad texted me and he follow. I don't watch the news, but he follows all the news and he said this thing, this COVID-19 or coronavirus, whatever they were calling it in the beginning, he was like, they shut Italy down. This is serious. You better start figuring something out. So I started filming YouTube videos or just videos to put on YouTube and we started minimizing, minimizing classes so that there were less classes on the schedule and there were less people in the classes, but we stayed open until we were going to be told to close. So there were studios around me, peers of mine who were already starting to feel the loss and the hit of COVID-19 before I think it was March 15th or March 16th when they, when Orange County shut down, but they were already starting to have people cancel their memberships. Luckily we didn't have any membership cancellations before March 15th and nobody wanted to put their membership on hold. Everybody was like, thank you for staying open. We're so grateful for you. They were still coming to class. We were recording classes nonstop. And then I will never forget. I sent the email at seven o'clock. I taught two classes and then I drove home and I opened up my computer and I had 30% of our customer base canceled their membership. I just got the chance. And I cried. (laughs) I'm going to cry again because it's so, it was like two and a half years of blood, sweat and tears of me just like going, 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 going all the challenges that we've gone through and they just canceled. Um, yeah. just like, okay, cancel my membership. Re. I don't know what's going to happen. Thanks. Sorry. Yeah. Um, what do you do? Like, yeah, <laughs> you're just... what am I supposed to say? I can't say no, I'm not going to cancel your membership because I don't know what's going to happen either. So we fought, we fought, we fought, we fought, we were losing members every single day and we were at 70% lost, uh, membership, which is how we built our studio we built it on monthly payments and 70% of our membership base canceled. And Charles, who looks at the money going out, said, it's time. The ship is sinking. And this was in, this was May uh, 18th. He said, the ship is sinking. I know that you will die at the, he, so he he said, I know you'll die at the stake. And a lot of yoga studio owners will die at the stake. We are too young to travel down with this sinking ship. So kind of felt like, remember that, remember that 
uh, ship, that cruise ship in Italy that tipped on its side. And the, <laughs> the first person off the boat was the captain. And he just got, yeah. like, reamed for being off the boat. Because if you remember, and I'm, I'm going to quote a movie, but if you remember in Titanic, the captain stood at the wheel while the Titanic mm-hmm. was going down. And I remember talking about it and like I'm not supposed to get off the ship I'm not supposed to leave I'm I'm not supposed to quit we're not ahead but and we're sinking but can we turn this around so for two weeks we we literally fought like I was screaming you're not going to take my business away I'm the I'm the the heart I'm the person the, this is money for you this is emotion for me and then my business coach, two weeks later, said, Brie, it's time. This is too, this is too much. And um, I fought him <laughs> for two weeks. And then I finally made the decision um, to say, okay, you're right. Let's, let's close the doors. Let's say goodbye while we're not that much in the hole. So, yeah. And then I... Did you guys have the PPP loans or any of so that? So we, we actually, our landlords, we asked our Fullerton landlords for rent relief. So it went like uh-huh. two weeks and we were like, hey, do you, are you offering rent relief? You know what's happening? And they responded, oh, hey, we've been meaning to reach out to you. We actually raised your rent and here's all of your CAMS <gasps> back pay for 2019 which was a really, really, really big chunk. So not only did they raise our rent, but they charged us a big chunk and it, they actually charged the credit card on file. So it was this big thing. We have a lot of, we had a lot of lawyers look at our lease and they said, well, this one line said that they were cap- they were capable of doing that. Um, but they, they wow. said they did not what? offer. Sure. I know it's just a big, big corporation that doesn't see, doesn't see what their have policies heart, are doing. Yeah. Um, but we did apply for the PPP and we did receive it and we did apply for the EIDL loan and we did receive that as well. So we received, it just still wasn't, well, we received $200,000 in loans. Wow. We used the PPP wrong. So it's not, it was not forgivable. So we're, we actually owe that $46,000 that we were given and the E. I L D or however you say those four letters together. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. We couldn't use it the way we needed to use it because we needed to use it on that back. You couldn't use it on back pay. You couldn't use it to pay yourself. There was all these things. Like I'm not super familiar with the way it worked because like I said, my husband did all of that portion. He applied for all the loans and both of those loans put us, I think we ended up giving the 150 back and we didn't want to touch it and a lot of people I know a lot of I know a lot of fitness businesses who got it and they were not touching it because they didn't know what was going to happen because with the PPP loan we had it for four weeks and then they said oh it needs to be used like this in order to be forgiven and we already used half of it so well you saw that they changed it right so it's different no I haven't looked into it at all so don't freak out too much (laughs) because they keep changing it and I think, and there's a, I did, actually did a podcast. It's about the PPP loan with an accountant. 
I would have your husband listen to that because she said, like, you can get yours completely forgiven. New legislation keeps coming out and things are going to be changing. And I think eventually they might not do another PPP loan and just forgive PPP loans or do another round. So I think it could go two ways. That would really that I'm going to have him listen to that because that would really help his stress level with the debt. Yeah, because there's they changed it and they changed the time frame as well. So it went from like eight weeks to like three months or something like that. So I, I wouldn't be too worried (laughs) because they keep changing it too. Cause it is, it's, that's a huge thing is I've been so passionate about teaching people about the PPP loan because there's not information out there and it keeps changing. It's like impossible to keep up with. It's ridiculous. It's like on top of everything else, like good luck figuring out this PPP loan that's supposed to help you. Exactly. So you get the PPP, you guys decide to close. How did you guys, so how do you stop with the landlord? Do you guys still owe him for the full contract or how well, does that Well, my work? husband turned into, he should be on this podcast with me because he is a superstar. He turned into a full blown lawyer and was studying case law and fought wow. their lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> that is so this Amazing. gigantic corporation, umbrella corporation, was emailing my husband back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Like she was emailing another lawyer and he would get a response and then he would take a week to craft it and he would look at case law and he would talk about other states are doing this and other studios are doing this and this is what's happening and this is what this court figured out and ended up we, so they were threatening to sue us for like three hundred thousand dollars um wow because we just we just dropped we just stopped paying we changed the credit card information we were like we can't afford this it keeps taking us into the negative with these big portions we're not gonna just have you keep charging that card negative um and we're paying them out so we settled um but his most famous email was the last one that said this really long email and then at the bottom he said so due to my calculations I only owe you eleven dollars and twenty three cents um (laughs) (laughs) so please take my deal and they and they took it so the next email was they took the deal so we got them down I don't know the exact number but we got them down from three hundred thousand to not that all because wow that is amazing (laughs) <laughs> he is a superhero. Yes. And then the placenta location, was that one easier yeah, to do? Yeah, that one, our lease was ending. So we either needed to sign a oh, brand okay. new lease because we could have very easily kept that one. The, the number one reason why we closed was because our Fullerton landlords were just being complete a-holes. And we couldn't keep up with, we couldn't oh. keep up with that rent in regular times, much less in COVID times. But our, our placenta lease was up. So we either needed to sign a new one in uncertain times or just say goodbye. So it just, it was a blessing that it both happened together. um, But it also sucked at the same time. Yeah. Like, how do you deal with that? Like, I feel for you. I remember messaging you. Like, I, I literally felt like I could, I don't even have words for it because that's like every business owner's biggest fear. Yeah, you know, and it's so hard. And it's, I'm sure it's still hard. And it's, you know, I'm just so sorry. And I'm so mad at COVID. And it's just, yeah, 
devastating. It was definitely so. Our therapist said we are mourning a child in two different ways yeah. for two different reasons because it really was. I mean, I was 22 when we when I signed the lease. It was my baby. Like I, we don't have kids yet, and that was our that was our kid. That was our multiple kids having multiple locations. And I spent, I would get there at five in the morning and I wouldn't leave until 11 PM. And I was always there and something that made it worse, worse for me, but I think needed to happen. I called every single member, um, person by person, a big, very long, it took me a whole week to call every single member all day long from A to Z and tell them that we were closing, why we were closing and that I was sorry. And the most memorable one, and I actually took a video of it because it was so raw and it was so like, this is so effed up that the people need to hear what's going on, not just with business owners right now, but with the clientele. Um, I called an 18 year old who his parents would drop him off. uh, And he'd been coming. He was one of our first members his parents would drop him off, pick him up, and they would only come in if he needed something. Like he needed to pay the bill or something like that, or the credit card was expired. They never came to a yoga class. He came every single day and he would take two classes and he would meditate and he was so nice and he wasn't weird. He just needed yoga. He figured out that that was what he needed to do. And that was his only avenue to do it because I don't know what his home life was, but it wasn't, it wasn't like, Hey, we're going to take you to yoga. We're going to go with you. And it's going to be a family outing. It was like, fine, but be outside as soon as it closes or as soon as it ends. And his last name started with B and I called him and he said, Bri, I'm so sorry. This must be so hard for you. And I just lost it because I'm taking his safe space away. I'm taking his place where he would go every single day and be there for more than two hours. I'm taking that place away from him and he's saying sorry to me. And so it was just like, yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. And I'm, I, that's why I'm mad about, that's what I'm mad about with COVID. And I was like, the ship, ship hasn't even sunk yet. And I'm taking the space away from these children. And, um, there was a lot of guilt in, in, in closing because like my, my heart wanted to be with it until it shriveled up and died. But I'm, I'm 26 years old. Like if that door wouldn't have closed, I wouldn't have been able to open my salt and sass candles, which are making people laugh. And so it's filling my cup. It's filling my heart up differently than yoga was. Yoga was filling up, filling up my heart and like I was healing people and people were changing their lives and people were able to sit on the ground with their grandchildren and play or, or tie their shoes without huffing and puffing. But now that, that door needed to close so that I could impact people in a different way, in a way that people really need right now, just to laugh. Yeah. How did Salt and Sass come up? So Salt and Sass is a candle company. You make your own candles, you pivoted. And you closed your yoga studios and now you have the candle business. And can you kind of explain like that business and what you do? I make 100% soy candles with cotton wicks. So they're super clean burning, like sticking to my clean earth and save the planet, but also yogi vibe. They're super clean burning. 
but they have what makes them different and sets us apart from all the other candle companies is that we have funny and relatable titles like Sage Like a Mofo and Wine is My Bestie. And um, Jessica, can I curse on here? Okay. Um, yes. Yes. You and can curse. <laughs> Believe in Your Fucking Self, which is my best seller. It's coconut lime goodness and it's my best seller. So they have these funny and relatable titles that you see on memes and you see on social media and people say them and it's very pop culture, but you don't see them on candles because candles are supposed to be this like pretty delicate thing that you put in your house and the candles kind of just smack you in the face with the names. <laughs> but they also have descriptions on the top left corner that's between one and three sentences long that my um, my therapist said my humor my personal humor is a mixture of, wow, that's really funny. I can't believe that just came out of her mouth right now. So the candles <laughs> are definitely just me going at it and giving no Fs and just putting everything out there on the candle. And so when people read it, they kind of are shocked, but they love it. And I think it's exactly what people need right now. I also sell them on yeah, my website. I agree and at markets so the farmer's market and like I'm at the Pinterest convention this weekend so I sell them at like craft fairs and events like that how did you come up with the candle business that's I feel like you couldn't have chosen I know more it's different. completely 180 degrees <laughs> um I actually so I was trying to be a housewife and I was very bored I was not born to dust and I feel like your podcast listeners will resonate with this. I was not born to wash dishes and to make sure that my husband's lunch was ready for the next day and to make sure that the house was spick and span. Like I, I took that in as my job and the house was perfect. We never had laundry. There was never any dust anywhere. I was becoming an amazing cook, but I was just bored. I was <laughs> like, this, this takes no mental capacity. And I was like, I have no purpose because he appreciates it, but he's like, okay, you've been home all day. Like, what have you actually done? Even though the house is clean. Well, and then they appreciate it for two seconds until the food's eaten and then it's on to the next yeah. thing. It's not like, and it's, oh, and it's something new every time. husband like, oh. is, we've already talked about, he is an amazing human and he gets so upset with me when I say this, but I don't know what I was doing, but I just wasn't feeling it. And I was kind of already over it. And he got home and he looked at me and he said, why isn't dinner ready? And I was like, oh, hell no. Okay. I am starting a business <laughs> because you've never asked me that question before when I owned a business and when I hustled every single day and we ate Del Taco for dinner. So I am not, I am not your housewife anymore. And I literally came up with the idea like two weeks later. <laughs> but the way I came up with the idea was my girlfriend and I were talking about our love languages, which... I can do a whole 60 minute session just on love languages. And I was kind of teaching her why they're so important to have in any relationship. And she said, my love language is tacos. And I said, that needs, that needs <laughs> to go on something like people will buy that because a lot of people resonate with that. And that was the first candle was my love language is tacos. And it's our second bestseller. So cute. I'm so glad you found something that uplifts you and makes you happy because you went through a morning and I, you know, I moved to Texas and my California location is like, I feel like I've deserted a child. Yeah. 
And so I a hundred percent feel, and you are so strong for even sharing this story and being able to be excited so fast about a new business. Like you're genuinely excited to talk, you know, about your new business. And that means so much. And, you know, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And like you said, every door closes for another Mm -hmm. one to open. Exactly. Yeah. I needed to, I needed to imagine, imagine where I would be right now if we stayed open. But like mentally, right? Ugh. Versus, I feel I know. reborn. It's like you're screwed if you do, and yeah. you're screwed if you don't. Yeah. You know, with that exactly. That's oh, just so. It like just makes me angry just talking about it, and yeah, you know, it's just a shame, and it's just you know. But if it wasn't this, I mean, it could have been a pandemic a year yeah, later. Never, There's just so many. Things we never that know happened. what's gonna happen. Like an asteroid could come from like, so you, you live your life to the fullest every single day and you never go to bed upset. And you always say, I love you before you hang up the phone because nobody ever knows what's going to happen. And every single thing happens for a reason, but you never know what's going to happen. So live your life to the fullest. No. Yes. So a little bit more about the candles. What is your goal with salt and sass? Like, where do you see it going? How I'm is it going? I'm literally smiling really big because we're going to take over the world. <laughs> like how? <laughs> <laughs> I believe you a hundred percent. Like when I asked you about the yoga studio, oh, I'm going to open up a hundred. I'm going to take over. Like, yeah, my, I believe you. Um, so right now I have my candles in a store in San Diego, California. I have candles in um, San Clemente. I have sandal- candles in San Luis Obispo, which is a little bit up north in California. I have candles in a small boutique in Orange, and that's where I'm not selling them. They're being sold for me. And I have four accounts in Utah, one account in Nevada, and I'm hoping to get accounts in Arizona um, as like wholesale accounts who are buying the candles and selling them in their spaces so that I'm not selling them. Um, and I'm interested on in getting, I keep getting declined on, on Amazon, which is a totally different story, but I'm, I can help I, you. I got on Amazon. Yeah. I would we love, can talk after I would love this. to chat about that because I'm ready to go on Amazon. My biggest, my biggest thing keeping me from exploding right now is there's not, there's only 24 hours in the day and I need to sleep and eat <laughs> during <laughs> during some of those that is the best problem to have and I'm so excited that that's happening for you and all the success it seems like I I I mean this is the excitement that I had when we opened happy I mean this is the excitement that I had up until March when I knew that the ship was taking on water this is I love I love business I love branding I love building and I love creating And I didn't realize how much I enjoyed hearing people laugh until people started laughing. I was like, I think I'm a comedian. Um, (laughs) I love it. Yeah. It's my my secret superpower is that I'm, that I'm a comedian. But when we, so my first order, I feel like this is really important for anybody who owns a product based business. I ordered 12 jars on Amazon the second week of July, I, um, created 12 different scents and 12 different names. I put them on my website. I started to get orders. Like most of the orders were from friends of family and it took a while to get a first stranger order, but I put them on 
Amazon. I created an Instagram the same way that I built the studios. Like I created all of that before I really told any, told any of my following about it. I created a Pinterest for it, all the things, and then started selling them so that I could make my next purchase. I literally started this business with $50. So remember I said, I never took a paycheck, even though my husband makes a ton of money. Um, I, kind of live in poverty, but I don't because I never have that much money in my bank account because I never got a paycheck, but I have a family card for like gas and food and stuff like that. But I don't have tons of money sitting there to play with. So I started it with $50. I sold my 12 Mm -hmm. candles. I (coughs) I made my 12 jars, sold enough to buy 60 jars, sold enough to buy 120 jars, made a couple purchases that were 120, then jumped up to 300. And when I jumped up to my 300 count purchase, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm buying 300. And immediately the next time I sold the 300, I was like, holy shit, I need to buy 600. And now I'm buying 5,000 count jars, 5,000 count jars. And they're shipping me pallets (laughs) to my small little beach house with no garage. And my neighbors are like, you have another <laughs> order here. It's big. Um, so you don't. And I want to expand and I want to build. And I just want to skyrocket this into just being a household name. But I want it to be really known that, like, you don't have to get in um, inheritance. You don't have to have a ton of money. You don't have to have somebody partner with you like you can do it on $50 so my husband hasn't given me like he's paying for rent food gas right like I don't have to pay for any of that but I literally built this entire business on $50 that's that's amazing well my business I didn't I've never took a dime from anyone I borrowed money from my boyfriend one time to open the salon because he wanted we needed to open one to move to Texas and I paid him back but that was like five years into the business. Like I started it with freaking 50 bucks, like an Amazon spray tan gun. Yeah. For like 200. And it's, it's crazy <laughs> that you, you can build something amazing with nothing. You know, it's just, it's just heart yeah, and energy really and can. hustle and being the first one there and being the last one to leave and smiling no matter what, no matter what door closes or what rude customer talks to you or, you know, like imagine if you had a bad spray tan client and then you gave attitude to your next spray spray tan client like how do you think you're going to build your business you know so oh no I always tell people the number one thing is be a good person that's you have to do a lot of other things but that's number one and that encompasses customer service doing the right thing making good decisions and putting customers before yourself that's being a good person well, I'm so excited for you and we need to get some of those candles at my Brea location and I'm actually in talks to open an Austin location. So we'll get I them both it. in our location. I I'm so, so excited to hear that you're in talks to open an Austin location. That's great. And well, mobiles, you did mobile yoga. Yeah, yeah I nightmare. see you on Instagram. <laughs> like, you're like, after late this, night mobile. I'm, oh my gosh. After this, I have to, at nine o'clock, I have to be at somewhere in Georgetown and that's like 45 minutes from here. So I have to like get on the road right now. (laughs) So yeah, that is my life. So I'm so excited to open a studio again because it is a hustle, but you have to put in the time. I had to build a clientele. 
I had to do it this way. And just like you built your business that way, get some customers. So you're not just starting yeah. off with yeah, nothing. Exactly. Well, do you, um, so how can people, so I have a website, it is salt and sass candleco.com. Super easy, salty and sassy. Oh, the name is, we all have a little bit of salt and sass in each of us and the candles just bring it out more. So salt and sass candle co. I love it. And then also my Instagram is salt and sass candle co and dms i think i also have instagram shopping but the best way is to order on the website we ship all across the states not out of the states yet but we ship all across the states and i have 34 cents and names on the website that's amazing well i'm so proud of you and all of your success and being able to persevere and just come out you know start a new business so fast and just yeah it's, killing it, it I am an entrepreneur it's it's a way of life <laughs> you are a serial yep. entrepreneur yeah, exactly. <laughs> well thank you so much for coming on and I'm excited to keep watching your journey and seeing more success oh, that you have you. with your I business appreciate it. and thank you for inviting me this was amazing I'm, I was so excited I can't I was telling my husband I was like I'm so excited to answer all these questions and to and to talk about it well your story was so important because I saw what happened and what was going on and you were one of the people I was like I need to interview her her story is going to be so good so relatable and just like people need to hear it the other side of COVID you know not everyone owns a business they don't understand like what yeah. business owners are going through right now or people that are scared to go to a business yeah. and what that effect has, you know, like not saying that they're in the wrong, but like everything yeah. is affecting everything right now. And this, you know, America's yeah. built also, on I think business. it's super important for people who had a failed business or to, to know that like you are not your business. You are how you are, how you react mm-hmm. to what happens to you. Not, you're not what happens to you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much for sharing. I know it must have took a lot reopening those it was wounds. Emotion- and- it was emotional. <laughs> but it was important. I know. Well, thank you. And I'm sure our listeners will appreciate it as well. And I wish you the thank best you, and have a great night. Bye. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of Don't Call Me Girl Boss. Please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes to support the podcast. I am taking nominations to nominate a fellow small business owner. If you or someone you know would like to be interviewed and share your story, please email don'tcallmegirlboss at gmail.com. I'm also excited to be announcing that I will be launching don'tcallmegirlboss.com, if not this week, the following week, as well as some ebooks for you to download at a very low cost of $9.99 on how to put your business online and everything that I have done to make sure I'm as visible as possible to my customers. So stay tuned for that and follow us on Instagram at don't call me girl boss.